0: happening now? We want to welcome our viewers from across the United States and around the world. This is the EdTech Situation Room. Good morning, good day, good evening. This is EdTech Situation Room, episode number 231 here on September 15th, 2021. My name is Dr. Jason Neifer and I am the Assistant Director and Curriculum Director of the Montana Digital Academy, which is Montana State Virtual School located on the beautiful University of Montana campus right here in fabulous Missoula, Montana. And joining me tonight as always, Good evening, Dr. Westfriar. How are you tonight? Good evening, Jason. I am well and coming to you from Oklahoma City where
1: for, gosh, we could count the months, less than a year, I remain the technology integration special and innovation specialist at the Cassidy School uh, where I've been. This is my seventh year and uh, I'm joined by Moose tonight who's going to make himself part of the podcast. Um, We are almost ready to cool down. It's like the mornings here have been, have been like, it was 68 this morning. It was been low seventies, but I think a nice cold front is headed our way. The rumor was next Tuesday. So I'm guessing maybe, uh, you've had some cold weather up there. Maybe have it
0: not yet or maybe not. It's getting, it's getting chillier. We had a, a long string of, of 80 degree days last week, but, uh, our central air is off, which is a good sign. Um, uh, which is becoming more necessary here, and we've had less fires, so the fire danger has gone down. Uh, uh, there's still a, a number of active fires in the West, but it's it's less so than it was a couple months ago. So we're, you know, September uh, Montana weather has always been kind of weird, and the seasons sometimes uh, don't transition necessarily in in the way you might think that they should. But uh, we'll 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 see some cooler weather soon. Sounds good. Well, what are we going to do here
1: tonight, Jason, besides have our you know requisite little uh, weather banter?
0: Well, um, Wes and I have combed the internets to find some interesting things to talk about tonight. And our topics tonight, obviously, we're going to have to talk about new Apple stuff. And we're going to have to fanboy for a couple of minutes. And we apologize ahead of time for whatever drooling we do uh, during that segment of the show tonight. We've got some other interesting Apple news. It's been a big Apple News week, actually. Uh, we have some Google news to talk about, some Microsoft news to talk about, uh, a podcasting uh, a bit that I think would would lead to some interesting discussion. And then Wes is going to share a great article on a, a, a new feature in Castify, And, of course, we'll end tonight's show with our Geeks of the Week. So, Dr. Fryer, I feel like we are duty-bound as nerdy Apple fanboys to talk about the new Apple stuff and um there's a great article from the verge yesterday i've not seen the keynote yet i i literally was presenting in front of the montana legislature yesterday afternoon when the event was going on so um i was not able uh to see it but let's just talk about the eight things that are new and and the biggest announcements so um announcement number 1 well there's a new iphone uh, it's the iphone 13 it comes in four models iPhone, iPhone Pro, iPhone Pro Super Duper, I think it's called Max, and there's iPhone Mini. Um and they're they're kind of equal in that they have the same chip in them. They do have a diversity of RAM, so working memory that that uh, across the line. They also have different camera setups and the Pro models, which would include the Pro and the Pro 13 Max, comes with uh, a a new screen. So um, I guess I'd start off with, let's go through these eight things, Wes, and you tell me if this matters to you, right? (laughs) So the first one, iPhone 13 is a similar design to iPhone 12 with a smaller notch. I personally have never freaked out much at the notch. I know some people are like wild anti-notchers, but, uh, do you care that the notch is there? And more importantly, that it's more svelte in the iPhone 13?
1: Yeah, not, not a big deal. You know, I'm, I'm still sporting the SE with the home button. So I'm, uh, I'm calling, <laughs> I myself, <laughs> calling myself an old school iPhone user. No. Okay. It, it, it's not, not a big deal. But I will say this, and it's not one of their items. There's a terabyte option. Oh, there's my wife, Shelly, making an appearance. <laughs> it never, never happens. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So a terabyte on an iPhone pro. So, you know, that's to me, that's stunning in terms of just a sign of the times of, of where we're at with your sure. phone. So, but yeah, the notch and, and, and whatever. Um, but I am looking at that going, Hmm. Yeah. When, what is, what's my upgrade schedule going to be? Probably anyway, they're still selling the iPhone 12 and 11 and SE. So yeah. all
0: the, on the lineup. Okay, the second uh, a hardware upgrade that I think is worth uh, uh, talking about is that the iPhone has finally adopted a uh, hardware strategy that's existed in a lot of higher-end Android phones. It's a higher uh, refresh rate screen. So instead of the 60 hertz, which is what they used to top out at, you can now um, have a display in the Pro and Pro Max that's 120 hertz. And so I have to say that for about two weeks, I used a Razer. Android phone. It was a gamer phone or a gaming phone, I guess I should say. Um, that was uh, it. It wasn't all that popular sale, and I got it for dirt cheap. Um, I ended up returning it because uh, the software was pretty wonky. But I have to say, personally, I could tell the difference. Like it was a much smoother experience um, over the sixty hertz screen. Um, but a lot of mainstream Android phones come with actually 30 hertz screens, so the 60 itself is an improvement. So does this, does this uh, uh, tempt you at all, Dr. Fryer?
1: I have crossed the threshold beyond like, I've got to get the latest phone. So no, but you know, it it makes me think of TVs when we saw TVs, I think go from 60 to 120 and I don't know what they are now with 4k and everything. Um, But it, the battery can the battery life is, is huge, you know, and that's essential. And so part of that refresh is this technology that allows it to adapt. So if you need the fast frame rate, when, even when you're, you know, switching between apps or, you know, scrolling down, um, it kicks in and then it backs off when you don't need it, which is just phenomenal. I mean, Oh, one of my overalls is just how incredibly complex this technology is. And, you know, when they say it's capable of something trillion, you know, processor cycles a second or whatever, I don't know, whatever it is, it just, you know, no, who can put their, wrap their mind around it. Um, it, it's crazy, but I, I think the battery, the battery life is, is essential And the fact that this technology is really going to let your phone not going to you're not maximize, you know, taking that maximum battery sap out when you're just you know watching a static Web page or something like that. I think that technology is is pretty awesome and certainly has a lot of appeal thinking about longer battery life. That's a a real practical, important thing to everybody.
0: Great. Next uh, feature announced is iPhones add a cinematic mode for video and photograph styles for pictures. And. Um, I, I, I don't quite understand the technology behind it. I've only read a little bit on it, but my understanding is that it adds a blur style to the background in portrait, uh, 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 mode style photos. And I believe you can also do that too in, in, in video. So adding kind of a dramatic flair and kind of what a filter might do if you were, uh, uh, you know, a, an apt Photoshop editor as a photographer.
1: Well, it's more than that. So I did watch the whole keynote. Um, I kind of watched a little bit of it during the day today, and then I watched the rest of it tonight um, on my my living room TV. Um, It's not my Geek of the Week, but I'll just – I'll recommend – Everybody needs to watch at least the intro. There were more drone shots and drone footage in this. And just the, the, the beginning and end is really a celebration of California and how much Apple loves California and what a beautiful yeah. state it is. But this technology we're talking about um, is a cinematic effect of where you're doing a close focus on somebody like in the foreground and there's somebody in the background and then they turn their head and then the, the background, you know, comes into focus. What's incredible about their technology. And yeah. Okay. Here we're gushing here. Apple's not paying us to do this, by the way, we just love them. <laughs> um, you can even do this after the shot. So their technology is automatically sensing where it thinks you're, you know, key subject is, and then doing the blur when you've got the cinematic mode enabled. But then uh, if you want to, you can manually in the shot change who you're focusing on, whether it's foreground or background. But this is what blows my mind is you can actually go in after you've shot the video and you can change the respective focus, you know, after the fact in post-production. So, this gets me excited about you know digital storytelling and it just they of course they have a couple of filmmakers and somebody's either nominated or won a few Oscars and you know they see what they can do uh, you know shooting scenes of some you know a soldier carrying somebody like a the pl- a scene out of platoon and then some you know a spacecraft with something you know things are about to blow up or an alien's supposed to come and you know it's it's just incredible footage and. But thinking about the effects and the ways that cinematographers, you know, create suspense, and they have a whole sort of mini, um, you know, mystery whodunit. There's this, there's this painting that disappears from over this mantle. Um, it, you know, it was it was phenomenal, and I think with those three cameras and the processor, and I mean, this is it's incremental. Of course, every time there's a new iPhone, we see incremental change. But you know, the the way in which Apple. Has kind of always wanted to bring pro level capabilities to the consumer and, and allow us all to elevate our game. Yeah, it is just, it's, it's stunning. So,
0: and I don't know of anybody else who's able to do that on a phone at this point. And, and so since you watched the keynote, is this a, is, is, is a software, is this hardware, or is it both? It's both. I mean, they have three. This is only on the Pro, which the Pro right. has the three
1: lenses. The regular right. iPhone uh, 13 just has two, just two. But, um, it's both. And I think it's a function of having all those cameras simultaneously shooting video, you know, focusing at, obviously at different, um, you know, in, in, at different parts of the, of the, um, scene. And then, you know, allowing you with software to, using its sensors and its its intelligence it, you know to to detect that but then allowing you to go in post production and change it too so it's it's basically like yeah become martin scorkazy or whatever you know you can be the the filmmaker who creates these in, you know amazing effects we've done a few portrait uh style pictures we took some of uh, actually our dogs a while back But, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, it it does look super, super professional. And the fact that you're able to do this in video, again, is sort of like this progression because we had this portrait mode with still pictures and, you know, amazing resolution and detail and then being able to do this fancy, you know, focusing. And now it's in video and it's not just when you're shooting it. It's also after the fact.
0: Awesome. Uh, also, uh, new Apple Watch Series 7 are available. Uh, the they're, they're a little bigger, although they look svelter, I think. I think that that uh, was part of making it bigger was that it looked itself looks smaller. Uh, new watches start at 399 um and no release date on this yet. By the way, the phones are available uh, next week. So um, any thoughts on a Series 7? And, and, and Wes, what are you wearing right now? I'm wearing the series
1: three. Right. So, my first thing on the statistic that jumped out at me this is this one of the things too about watching this, right? They have so many statistics, so many yeah. graphs. They pack infographics. Now they're, you know, they've got this just huge, um, you know, like mock up of the iPhone, but all the different parts and they summarize it so well. I mean, it is. Yeah like it is so good to study as a communication media i don't know if apple's going to want to go back to regular face to face events they do these things so well and it reminds me of what they said about the early days of film where we just used to have people you know take a film of a stage play and then somebody's like ooh we could take the camera you know out of the theater and then you know obviously apple is just it's at another level but they said in the in the apple watch section that they're fitting 50% more text on the screen and they actually have a full keyboard and they don't they have a of course their own name for it as far as being able to you know slide your fingers around and use you know AI machine learning to figure out what you're going to type but um the reason I'm not ready to just ooh I'm going to have to get this they're still selling my watch yeah so this new watch is selling for 400 bucks the series 3 is still selling for 200 bucks. Now it also occurred to me, Hmm, maybe it's time to sell this because I could still get, you know, maybe a hundred bucks for it. I don't yeah, know. Sure. But it is, um, you know, it it's, it's incredible. And I also, I'm sure there's going to be, maybe there already have been jokes as far as how big th- that that's going to get. But, um, yeah, it's, it's appealing. It's going to, you know, be more edge to edge, more durable. Um, one of the things that they do and, and, um, is it Marquis Brownlee? Uh, I just started mm-hmm. to see his video. He, and it like, it was made yesterday, right? And then it's 13 million views. Um, I'll drop that in the, the, the show notes or whatever. Cause it's, it, he's a pretty incredible, you know, tech critic, but also just, uh, really good Apple analysis. You know, like they have the most amazing special effects and videography in some cases to sort of introduce small things, but they've got all these really, you know, close up or maybe they're just, you know, they're computer created shots of the camera lens all, you know, going in and it's different parts. And then the, the watch and these, what looks like boulders, you know, <laughs> that are falling down, but they're these small little pebbles, but they're showing how resilient it is. And, you know, su- you know, strong and not subject to cracking and all those kinds yep. of things. So um, are you sporting the five or the six? Uh, the six.
0: Um, okay. And it, you know, and I have to say, um, I suppose I'm not surprised just because that and I think I've mentioned this a couple of times uh, here on the podcast that, uh, you know, I know a lot of people that have bought both or not have not bought both that have bought either uh, into the Apple Watch architecture or the Android walk, Watch architecture. And we haven't talked about it much just because the news breaks my heart. But the there is there's some good good things happening on the Android wear side of, of the world. But the bottom line is is that that's a stagnant platform and almost every person I know that started wearing an Apple watch is still wearing an Apple watch. And that's just not something that's true on the Android side. So I, this is, it's, it's, it's not really a temptation for me to upgrade to a seven and we'll talk about phones here in a second because I am a little tempted uh, to update to a 13 um, because there are a lot of interesting deals available right now. But the Svelter watch is a temptation, but I have to say that this, this doesn't feel bulky to me. It looked bulky to me when it first came out. And this is the same form factor as the one, but, um, or the Apple Watch one, but the bottom line is, is that, um, I, I've gotten very used to this and I like, the Apple Watch platform quite a bit. I'll stick with the six for now.
1: It looks like you have a good durable Montana band. You know, that looks I do. like yeah, one you a... can, you know, face bears in the wilderness wearing or something.
0: It's yeah, like it's, it's and... a it's a blue leather band. Um and to get the one I wanted that didn't ha- I didn't have to wait six weeks, I did get the blue aluminum um a sports watch model. I might remake that decision if I could do it over again just because it's you know, I'm not fa- fashion conscious enough that it really matters all that much. Um, but, I, you know, I do like to make sure that my belt and my shoes don't clash, right? I'm that fashion conscious. Uh, not much more. but um, But I might go with the black or the silver or maybe even the gold. Um, if, if, if I could do it all over again, but I, I wear this every day and, and for me, it's really more about health than anything else. Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, we'll, we're coming
0: up to some of the stuff about
1: health to, to talk about, um, Peggy's got the, the version four and says she's really tempted by it. Um, I, I think that, you know, thinking of personal, you know, tech upgrades and stuff, we talk about schools and return on investment and all this, you know, how many different Upgrades and cycles. Are you are you going to wait until you you know upgrade? Ah, yep. I I should see, but I think our daughter who's a senior is maybe using a 2011 or 12 MacBook Air. You know, when she goes to college next year, that's going to be something we're going to get her. Uh, it's incredible that that laptop has worked as well as it as it has and, and is is very functional. Um, like I said, the fact that Apple is still selling my watch uh, and and newer models is pretty extraordinary and you know i you gotta you gotta weigh this kind of thing with resale value and stuff and try to try to time stuff right um i like to sell our stuff on swappa i don't remember exactly how many phones i've sold now but it's been a number and and if you wait too long you know your your phone will will not have much value at all and that can go for a watch as well so yeah, that would be something to explore. And if anybody has any thoughts or ideas about that, if you have a rule of thumb, um, now that our kids are getting older, we've got one out of college, one in college and one about to go to college. It's also interesting. Like, anyway, who, when you start, you know, buying your own, your own phone and I, I guess our kids might just stay on our phone plan forever. I mean, that's an interesting <laughs> thing too. Um, cause it's just, it's cheaper that way. But no. Yeah, I think um, on on YouTube because you know I, I do different like cooking videos and barbecue. Uh, somebody had chastised me. I it was a Wi Fi thing and I was having trouble. Well, it's just my grill is a two point five, two point four gigahertz uh, Wi Fi, and my uh, uh, Google Nest. Anyway, I've learned if you get it a long distance away, then it's going to be at the two point four. But anyway, somebody was criticizing me for having at that point an iPhone eight. How could you do that? That's probably your problem, you know. And it's like, well, you know, it's not that old, but no, you know, it's how, really not. How how long are you going to let these different you know cycles and updates go? Um, and what are the features, right? What what's what's the is there something that's really a, a killer feature, you know, other than other than speed and better camera? But I uh, I think that's something that we've just kind of you know bumbled our way through in terms of of figuring out, but. Um, it's, we've, we've reached a point where I'm just happy. Like I'm not yearning. Oh my gosh, this is sluggish. This, this has issues. Like I know it could be faster and I could have a better camera, but it's pretty spectacular with what it has right now. And, um, Yeah, I'm not – the features and that kind of thing are are not swaying me as much as probably thinking about resale value and the practicality of that. And like you said, if you can get a really good trade-in value, and there are some good trade-ins that are being offered – it it might make it worth it to to spring for it. I mean, I know plenty of folks who are on that upgrade path and they're just sort of like a car payment, you know, they're always, you know, spending this money and getting this this latest phone. That's what Apple would like us all to do, right? Be on the upgrade every year or upgrade every other year. Uh, well, plan. So.
0: yes, but at the same time, I feel like that they do a better job than literally every other manufacturer in this space of of having their devices last a long time. Like one of the reasons why I feel like that I might even um update uh or I might even recommend the new device over a used device even though that's currently what 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 is is other than my watch, I'm I I've got a used iPad and a used iPhone um is that they do update them for 6, 7, sometimes 8 years and and that's unprecedented, right? Like no one else uh uh does uh, uh you know official updates in that way and um you know, that's, that's where, well, we'll wait to the end before I talk about kind of my thinking in regards to updating phones. But, you know, it, they keep making the, the, the calculus a little more complex because I do think, well, and Apple people hold on to their stuff way longer too than, than any, literally any other manufacturer. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm guessing not much to talk about in regards to the new workouts coming for fitness plus.
1: Well, I, I'll say this. So. Sometimes, you know, you might think, oh, I'm always an early adopter. Not not really, not with everything. Uh, subscription music was an example, you know. I mean, I've been, was happy for years with the MP3s that I had ripped and the ways you iTunes matched it and was like, why do I want to pay a subscription? And then, you know, at some point, Apple Music and then Spotify and like, oh my gosh, it's just incredible to be able to have access to essentially the world's library of music and, and then be able to speak into my smart speaker or whatever, or even phone and, and car while driving and just, you know, it's a dream. It's just, it's incredible. But I was a little slow to that. Well, you know, the folks at Apple are pretty smart. Generally, you know, when they take out a floppy disk or they take out a CD drive or something like that, you know, they're seeing the future. And so this whole thing with fitness and having customized, um, fitness routines, um, one of my thoughts, seeing this, and i 've been thinking about this for a while, you know your point like this is this is about health, and there are few bandwagons to be on that w- I think are more universal and like how can you deny it than be healthy, be well, you know eat well, get exercise, sleep, take care of yourself, whatever your my wife has has been doing this. Um, Wonderful diet for for four months. She's lost 20 pounds. She's happier than she's been in years. Uh, and her, the, the, her whole thing is all about your why. What's your why? We all have different whys, but like being healthy. So I think I want to give this this Apple Fitness stuff a try. I'm not saying I'm signing up for it right now, but the ways in which it brings personal tracking, personal data, feedback, encouragement, I believe that is definitely one of the transformational technologies that many of us do have on our wrists and in our pockets, and we can leverage it. Yes, there can be privacy issues, but again, Apple is really, I believe, genuinely on a good side of the whole privacy debate and and, uh, privacy conversation having data about how our health is and being encouraged to, you know, close our rings and, you know, get that exercise. So I'm, I haven't tried it yet, but you know, that's, that is an effect that this watching this whole keynote has on me. And it is a cumulative kind of thing. And I'm more convinced than I was before watching the keynote that man, there is something to this Apple fitness and all of the choices, all of the ways that you can get exercise. And again, have the data and track that i just I think there is a lot of unrealized potential that many of us my, uh, myself certainly in this group could could realize uh, in terms of personal health that, that the Apple Watch offers. And so I'm glad to see Apple continuing to advance this. And it, it, it does, we're gushing fanboy here, but it, it really does make me love the company even more, right? Because I'm thrilled that so many of the shots of, you know, the different products and things like that had to, they were outside and they, of course, they were very, very diverse, very inclusive. There's all these different things you can see about the videos that they made. But I think that, in, that encouragement to be active, to live an active lifestyle, to, to, to know where you're at, to have your own personal data, to keep it private. Like these are things that I really, really like. And watching a video like this and and, and seeing an event like this encourages me to want to be better and use Apple technology to do that. So yeah, there you go. This whole thing is like App- Apple should be giving us a, a massive, you know, sponsorship. I'm sure it will be just <laughs> coming in the Patreon account. We don't
0: have very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, two new iPads. Uh, there's an iPad mini that has a bigger screen and kind of a refreshed design of the mini piece. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, it's got a USB-C port on it, which is, uh, um, in my mind, probably really big news. That it, it, Apple seems hesitant to convert the whole line over to USB-C, but slowly and surely they're doing that with iPads. And then there's a new ninth-generation ninth iPad, which is just their plain model. It's not the Air, it's not the Pro, it's not the mini um and both of these come with um uh the A13 bionic chips i think actually the the
1: mini is with the 15 this is what i'm going to say oh, so wow. they're okay, keeping that makes the they're keeping the $300 baseline iPad well it's 320 or something commercial and then educational it's 299 so that that device is still with an A13 you know lightning but yeah our son has an ancient ipad mini and this is making me think hey that might be a good christmas present for him yeah. um i'm glad to see see them going with the USB-C. me too i've had an ipad pro for you know a year or so um and i love the fact that i just have to have one charger yep my, my charger you know charges i mean not for my phone i still have to have a lightning charger for that but i can charge my ipad i can charge my laptop And um, anyway, it's one, it's one of the few times with Apple, it's been like, ah, one less charger, you know, but I think um, the power of these processors is, is just, you know, absolutely stunning. So it's, uh, I'm still glad we've got Chromebooks for our kids at school. I I had conversations today with some of our administrators uh, about that. Um, We're power washing devices actually, because of Anyway, a Minecraft glitch and things like that. And I'm I'm thankful for for Chromebooks that we have in our hands. But don't take my iPad away from me, you know, as yeah. a personal consumer and even as a teacher, um, because it's 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 vital. And so I'm glad I'm glad they didn't ditch the mini. Um, yeah, me too. Because there's folks that just love that form factor. And the fact that it has an A15 is, you know, pretty amazing, too. Yeah, it is kind of like Peggy says it's almost like a big phone and that's what it kind of looked like to, as well. So if you're if that iPhone's not big enough for you baby, just get the iPad mini right. and then you Well, like, and in fact
0: I used an iPad mini too for a number of years and in fact was able to sell mine that's what funded my uh update to a uh, used uh iPad Air 3 was I sold my my not even being updated anymore. Right iPad mini two for $220 on Swappa. I mean, it had been in case every day of its life. It was in wonderful condition. Um, but yeah, so, and then, um, I would also say that, uh, new operating systems, uh, will be available on the 20th. Uh, it's, it's iOS 15, iPad, OS 15 and watch OS eight. And I have been running the beta of iPad, uh, OS 15 on my iPad air three, and, I mean, I certainly see what they're saying in regards to it does, it, it's becoming slowly and surely more attractive as potentially a laptop replacement because it, it's, it tries to lean in a little bit to this notion of of a, of a more desktop-like experience, but... I, I'm, I'm still not a give up your laptop for an iPad guy, but so far the operating system has been stable. I've been on it since the second beta a couple of months ago and it's been super great. So, um, I will certainly, uh, uh update on all my devices. I, I don't feel nothing of mine's mission critical enough that, you know, my life would be, you know, completely destroyed if it was a little wonky. So I'll upgrade right away.
1: Not to leave the Apple event, but on a related note to upgrades, uh, I'll, you you drop the New York Times article in there. Um, an Apple emergency security update to close a spyware yes. flaw. Uh, we've the, we've talked about this on the show before. There's this bizarre, you know, cat and mouse thing that happens between hackers and white hat hackers and corporations. Um, in the mm, I think it was maybe the CNET summary. I don't remember. Anyway, it was one of the videos that I watched. Uh, They were they were talking about maybe it was USA Today. It takes millions, millions of dollars to create the kinds of hacks they're talking about here. This is exploited something in iMessage and it's a touchless you know, thing where you don't have to quote, do anything wrong. It's not like you have to be uh, clicking a link. That's a phishing link. And Oh, then somebody sent you an email that said, you know, you got to help the Nigerian prince or whatever. It's not like that. This is something that can actually be sent to your phone. It's touchless and a full control over your phone. It's kind of terrifying. Now, Apple's officially said, and I would have definitely said this too. Like, most of us are probably not at risk for this, the, these things, this NSO group sells things to governments and, um, you know, security agencies and, you know, supposedly if people, you know, are go rogue or, or do things that are, you know, harmful, they're supposed to revoke them, but, but human rights groups have tracked these and we've got, you know, journalists and human rights advocates and others that end up being, um, you know, tracked and, 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 uh basically persecuted, you know, with these kinds of software tools. But this is pretty unusual. It's unusual for Apple to issue an emergency update, you know, at school or the EdTech situation room. How does this impact school? You know, our, our technology manager has sent out, you know, hey, everybody must update your device. And if you don't, you know, we're going to be coming to your room to verify because they can tell with our mobile device management, you know, which things have been updated and which haven't. And, and they're going to get everything updated this week, so that's a that's a really significant thing. Um, I just have updated my phone and my iPad tonight. Uh, so update your devices. Go into Settings, General, Software Update, and it'll check for the update and and download that. But again, most of us are probably not at risk because this kind of a of a uh, zero you know zero day, I guess, or you know this kind of a of a of a hacking tool uh, is being used to target generally very specific individuals. Um, and, and the thing that's weird about it is, you know, there's a disincentive for people to release this kind of thing because, you know, they these are so valuable before they, you know, become patched. And anyway, it's just kind of a weird thing. Even, even our security agencies will discover these or create them themselves. But not, you know, report the vulnerability because they'll exploit that and hope they're going to be able to get, you know, so much benefit out of it until such time as it becomes patched. So somebody is wringing their hands and upset that this patch is out here because there's been apparently millions of dollars spent to develop it and now it's closed. But how long has it been out there? How many people have been subject to it? Uh, we don't know, but it is something that we see periodically, you know, Microsoft was doing that more often as far as something that was a real, you know, Hey, this is, this is super important, you know, solar winds, you know, you gotta, you gotta patch this. So Apple, it can happen to Apple stuff too. It can happen to anything actually.
0: Yeah, it really could. And I did the same thing yesterday. Warned all my iPhone people that, um, one last thing I want to say is that I, you know, I'm only recently back in the Apple world and, um, as a matter of fact, I'm, you know, carrying around a I think it's a 3-year-old Apple X, I'm sorry, iPhone XS and um, I will say that, you know, if you're looking to upgrade, go to your carrier right now and, and find out if they've got an interesting upgrade deal available. Because as it turns out, I'm on T-Mobile. I know the Friars are T-Mobile people as well that with trade-in and credits, uh, you can pick up one of these devices for a relatively inexpensive amount of money. And so I'm, I got a couple of days. I need to, to, to more closely look at what the, uh, what, what I'm obligated to with the T-Mobile deal. But what I would also say is that um, you know one option you can always do it's available through Apple and through the individual carriers is to pay somewhere between thirty and forty dollars a month and always have the newest iPhone. Um, mm-hmm. And you know one of the things I was doing this week is kind of calculating some of the monthly expenses I have and a couple of the tech things I have, um, including a couple of, of streaming services and some other tech services that are are nifty to have. But aren't, I'm not getting, you know, the use out of it to see if I want to go to that upgrade, yearly upgrade cycle. Um And, you know, I'm at the point of my life from a, a, a professional income standpoint that you know, it's it's going to make sense. And at some point I will retire and it will make less sense to do something like that. But, um, you know, there, there are options available. So I, one thing I've always noticed is that unless iPhones don't sell very well, and that's happened a couple of times, then the best time to get deals from your carriers is right now. So if you're interested in one of these 13s, you know, go to their website, um, t mobiles is full of, of restrictions and pieces that I'll need to read through to do that. But, um, you know, I would get, uh, almost two-thirds of the value that, uh, uh, I paid for this phone at the beginning of 2021 back. Uh, so that means I essentially, you know, received, a uh, you know, this phone for, um, uh, about $140, uh, rented it essentially for $140 in, in the last uh, eight or nine months, and then w- w- would be able to pick up a, a, a new iPhone 13 pretty cheap. So just something to keep in mind um, as you're, you're making this calculus yourself.
1: Yep. Hey, Peggy's got a, an article that I had not seen at all. Weebly for Education is discontinuing uh they have a given about a year oh, so August i think i've heard this yeah 2022 and so all teacher accounts are going to automatically transfer to a free standard account so all the the uh, classroom 2.0 live content is hosted there and so they're thinking that they're just going to host it on the site statically um but not be able to update it but anyway that's a significant announcement i had not seen that so any other thoughts just overall in terms of of Apple event and um you know any just broad brush you said you're thinking about the the
0: subscription um any any other thoughts um well i i mean it, 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 i don't i'm not surprised by anyone's announcements anymore it's been years since i've been surprised by either an Android or an Apple announcement about phones. Um, It's been even longer than that. I've been surprised by LG or Samsung um, or HTC or any of the the Android manufacturers. So that's not really where we're at right now. And at best, these are iterative devices that, that are being released. But, you know, especially with the likely, it's not quite a guarantee, but the likelihood that you'll get six or seven years of security updates out of these devices They're a pretty good, they're, they're pretty good bargain even at their expensive cost. And although you can easily, and you noted earlier that a terabyte iPhone is available now, and that's, that's mind blowing in itself, right? Um, that's a $1,500 phone to pick up. I think it's actually a $1,600 phone to pick up the, the iPhone with a terabyte storage. I, I that's I,
1: a, iPhone Pro, probably, probably.
0: Yeah, iPhone Pro, uh, right. Uh, but if you're a mere mortal that that doesn't need, uh, you know, a terabyte of storage space on your phone, I will, um, I'd be in the market for a 256, I think, because I like to carry, when I travel, and I, I will travel someday again, um, the, you know, the notion of, um um of, of having the ability to store, you know, movies, TV shows, and music on my phone for traveling purposes when I'm off the grid means a 256 would be my a choice there. A thousand dollar investment may get you six or seven years of a premium experience from Apple, and I think that's that's pretty impressive. So yeah,
1: it's it's incredible. Well, I definitely think your advice is well taken. That this is a great time to look at your carrier, see what your trade in values are. And, uh, but, but hey, go to Swapa as well. Yes. And, and take a look at, you know, how much is that going to be? Because every, just as this is the time to look at, um, you know, a trade in deal right when a new device comes out, it's also after the new device comes out, the time to visit Swapa and see what, you know, a couple generations back is, is going to be, uh, you know, selling for. It's super interesting <laughs> to see Apple maintaining and I don't know this for sure, but it seems to me like they're maintaining both on the Apple watch side and the iPhone side, more older models <clears throat> that are, that are continuing to sell. Cause sometimes, you know, the new one will be out and then that, that previous pipeline just, you know, dries up completely. So I think this is, you know, Apple trying to recognize that the marketplace is diverse and, and there's a lot of folks that aren't going to want to, or be able to, you know, pay a top dollar for the latest device, but still being able to get a new device and the capabilities of the recently new that are just a year or two old, you know, are very formidable. So uh, my last thought is just watch the, watch the beginning of the keynote. It's amazing. Uh, Even the way that uh, Tim Cook is basically in this desert scene at the the intro video, and then steps onto the stage you know the screens that they have the transitions that they have i mean it's just it's incredible it's it, it is absolutely in my opinion the best product cinematography that you will see anywhere um, you know, and if I was teaching a, a digital storytelling class, or I might even use it with my students, just to kind of we have Wonder Links and stuff. Although the stuff happening in space now with the launch that just happened with four astronauts, there's there's all kinds of cool stuff to share. But um, you would, fanboy,
0: I you're such a fanboy, Wes.
1: Oh, hey, hey, my wife is is just raising the next generation of astronauts right now. They've been planning <laughs> their Moon bases and art she was watching an Artemis video tonight, it was, and this this is awesome. It's awesome what's going on in space, but yeah, it's uh, it's wonderful cinematography. It's it's actually enjoyable to watch just from like a spectacle standpoint. And I'd watch yeah. the first half of the keynote on my phone, and then you know to watch it on our bigger living room TV was just fantastic. So check out at least the first couple minutes if you don't watch
0: the whole thing. Okay, well, we spent officially forty minutes uh of, of of time talking about the new Apple announcements. Uh there is another Apple story that I feel like we at least we need to start on this week, which is the Apple versus Epic ruling. I guess it's Epic versus Apple ruling has been released. It was on Friday, and um the judge ruled kind of in favor of Epic, right? The the premise the big picture premise of 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 the um um of the ruling is that Apple can no longer block third party payment systems inside of apps, and um, you know the the uh, we've we talked about this case a couple of times, but the big picture piece here that is uh, part of the challenge is that up until now, um, manufacturers can put apps in the app store that charge money but they have to pay and then it varies by by uh agreement with Apple but about 30% of, of of that revenue that's the cost to have to make money on your app in, in an app store and um i believe that includes the the amount that uh you can charge as well that when you charge $3 for an app for example uh you know uh apple takes about a buck of that away um and uh epic which is the maker of fortnite um uh, argued that um uh, argued that um um that, that that was illegal and monopolist uh in in its intentions and the judge agreed that you need to be able to allow third party payment systems and so it's a little complicated and um the uh, one of the pieces here that um Uh, uh, and I'm I'm not going to pretend to understand this, that there is another interesting analysis from uh, Neely Patel in The Verge that says that it could get complicated depending on the difference between a button and an external link, that the language used in the order uh, may create um, some differences in the way Apple interprets this. And again, I don't really pretend to understand it. I've only read through it once, so I'm not... I'm going to uh uh be able to understand fully what that means but um uh, uh, there's a a legal argument to be made that the button could just appear there without it actually doing anything and it seems ridiculous and that's a way to piss a judge off uh to be honest um is to interpret in that way but there is there's some hand-wringing about this but it seems likely that in about 90 days or so that uh, Spotify, uh, the Kindle app, um, 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 Fortnite. Although Fortnite, uh, uh says it's not going to immediately head back into the App Store right away. Um, all these apps that are are don't want to pay the thirty percent, uh, uh kind of Apple, uh, uh, premium to to be able to charge through the App Store will have third-party options. Yeah. Now, the judge fell short and didn't grant a claim that Epic really wanted, which was to declare Apple a monopolist, which means it would be subject then to antitrust legislation. And the judge specifically said that she did not buy the, the uh, monopolist claims. And she said, making a profit, even a significant one is not illegal. And she refused to, uh, to grant uh, Epic's claim that Apple was an monopolist. And uh, because of that, epic uh is appealing the decision they feel like they didn't get enough out of this lawsuit, even though I think the tech media was fairly universal in insistence that this would put a huge dent in in apple's app store business uh to the tune of 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 potentially upwards of of five seven ten billion dollars a a year in, in revenue so, so that's, I, gonna, that's
1: gonna take it away from apple or well
0: if uh um uh, well, no, ignoring the, 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 initial ruling saying you could, you could link out, could take up okay. billion or take away billions of dollars from Apple. Every year. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So definitely
1: complicated, not something like, Hey, the new phone comes in five colors. I mean, it's not that kind of summary. There were elements of this that both sides could kind of claim a victory on. You already pointed out a key part that the judge did not declare Apple a monopoly, um, interestingly epic ha by order of the judge and i guess they're going to appeal it um but it's supposed to pay like 2.8 billion or million dollars or something like that which is the the money that they would have paid had they not had for a while you know this alternative app store because they were under contract with apple to do this so that was that's kind of interesting um but i i think that oh uh, you know the the this has been a complaint i mean we need app developers to be able to make money. (laughs) We need app developers to be able to make money more than just the first time they create an app. And then, you know, Hey, I gave you 99 cents 10 years ago. You know, where's my, where's my updated app? I mean, that's, that's not going to uh, really fly with, with most companies. And maybe Google can, you know, Google can give lots of things away, but um, I think it's a good, ruling from the standpoint of the app developer. Um, I think that this points to why, you know, Android is important to Apple, right? Part of the reason why Apple is not declared a a monopoly is because there's an Android marketplace out there. Um, But, you know, what will be interesting is to see if this has any kind of impact. I don't think it will on Apple's ability to curate and keep its app store quote, relatively malware free. Now we've talked on the show about articles that have said, hey, this they're not they're not getting software engineers to review these apps and they're not getting the kind of in-depth security review that they really need. But I think Apple has overall done a better job keeping their app store clean of malware or cleaner, you know, than Android has. At least that's my perception. And so I you know, like like many lawsuits, this is not the last chapter. There's going to be more. But I think from from a developer standpoint, this is positive. Also, I'd say from a consumer standpoint, um, you know, there, somebody said it, that it may not have any impact at all on consumers because it just may depend upon what that app developer chooses to do. But what Epic was saying they were going to do, and I think maybe they were doing with their alternative store, was they weren't you know, taking that 30% Apple tax or whatever, and just pass and and taking that all as their own profit. They were actually charging less for products than, than they would have if Apple was taking all of that. So I think from a consumer standpoint, this is a good ruling. Um, I don't think this is going to, going to cripple Apple by any means. Um, It is a pretty good, gargantuan thing for a company to do what Epic has done, you know, and take on Apple. So I think it's fair to uh, characterize it as a partial victory and also, you know, not the the final chapter.
0: And, you know, uh, could ultimately impact schools too. I know that most schools end up shutting down things like in-app purchases and even app purchases because the complexities of managing that with, uh, you know, especially large networks of iPads, but, um, I, I actually think it might be good news for schools if third party options were available. You could have a contract with a company, for example, to license a software bit that wouldn't mean you'd have to go through the app store.
1: Yeah. And, and what app developers have typically done with the, the in app is they, they'll have a separate app, right? That's the purchased app. And so rather than doing in app and things like that, you know, you'll, you'll get that in your, um, what VPP or volume purchase program uh, set up. And, and then you'll be able to distribute those apps. And, but, you know, looking at explain everything and uh, there's a number of other apps, Ooh, which by the way, explain everything, got it, got a shout out in the Apple keynote. And I don't know if that's ever happened before, but that was pretty cool when they were doing the, I think the, the iPad stuff and talking about iPad apps and ones that would benefit a little, little side note there that I, I happened to notice. Um, I think that um, you know the, the subscription model is not only here for us as consumers because that's what individuals and companies want is to have a continued revenue stream, um, but that's also from a school standpoint, right? How how many dollars per student are you paying for licenses uh, for for all kinds of different things? And then this is a real puzzle: how do you navigate and negotiate? with teachers who are wanting to have the pro version of Nearpod or explain everything or, you know, whatever it is, book creator, we video, the list goes on and on. Um, You know, that process is, is important. And it also needs to be something that's dynamic and not just set in stone. Like, yeah, we always have had this subscription. We're going to have it forever. Well, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that uh, utilization, professional development, support, Things like that, but this is, this will make the the environment in some ways more complex, but I think ultimately, I mean, we tend to have faith in this, right? That more choices mean better outcomes for consumers.
0: And I think that's going to be an outcome of the lawsuit, at least at this point. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Well, breathe out. We've got 10 whole minutes left. We did manage to burn 50 minutes of our one hour show on Apple. Um... Uh, Anything that you feel, well, you've got a couple of weeks, I think, that
1: are good pieces. Let me do a a quick Microsoft one. Maybe we can do that podcasting one. So Ars Technica reported today. This is the first time I've seen this. Microsoft accounts can go passwordless, making password123 a thing of the past. And I think we might have mentioned this on the show that this was coming. If I'm reading it right, basically, you know, now you'll have hopefully a second factor of authentication. So you put in a password and then you either get a text code on your phone. You have a key that you are actually plugging in. It's a physical key. You have something that you're proving, Hey, I'm, I'm me. Well, now with Microsoft, you can opt to just turn off your password entirely and only use your second factor of authentication. So you're going to have to have that phone, that authenticator app on the phone, that YubiKey, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So in some ways, it seems like that's a little less secure because, you know, password plus second factor seems to be better. But what what are your thoughts, Jason? I haven't read anything on the security side to say, oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. The second factor. I mean, because anyway, if somebody would hack your phone, they do a SIM hack or something. We've talked about the T-Mobile breach that happened uh, a few weeks ago you know, then then they don't even need their password. <laughs> you just, you know, waltz right in there with your with your phone being able to to get that text message. So do you have any thoughts about passwordless authentication? Well,
0: it kind of works that way now in that the authenticator, like you can set up Windows. Uh, when you first set up Windows, and the reason why I know this, I did, I mentioned last week that I was holding off installing Windows 11. I did end up installing Windows 11 on a laptop this past weekend. And uh, I'll talk about, I mean, it's, it's apparently being released like into the wild in October. So we can talk about that then. Um, I, the headline is, you know, it, it it's kind of meh for me. But when I set up Windows 11, and in fact, last night I set up Windows 10, um, when I typed in my email address to say this is to sign in my Microsoft account, I didn't have to have a password. I just went into my authenticator app and I confirmed the two-digit number it was showing on the screen and that was fine. Um, so they're already, you know, kind of there that you don't really need a password. Um, the, the next step of this is, in, in, in regards to this artist technica article is that you don't have to have a password ever. You don't have to start off with a password um, or even put a password in. You just need to be able to have your phone to authenticate. And I, as uh, I, I know, I feel like the password's an interesting backup because if you lose your phone um, uh, uh, or if, you know, your phone's out of battery or you left your phone at home that day, you can still remember your password. But what I would say is that, um, you know, password security is hard. And if you have something like a phone that is using biometrics, uh, to, to utilize this, uh, or to utilize that, and you, you need to have it physically on you to do something about it, it feels like that that's going to be more secure. All right. Want to hit that podcasting article? Yeah. Wanna... Um, this is about, well, and, y- this is only really makes sense if you're kind of a podcast geek, like certainly like the host of the show, but I would imagine our, a lot of our audience is as well. But um, Spotify has made a real move in the last uh, four or five years to become a, a kind of a podcast giant. And uh, it started by you know inserting podcasts into the the feature in the app, both the desktop and the mobile app and then they bought Gimlet for example, they also brought in the joe rogan uh, uh, uh podcast as an example of um you know uh, content creators they're kind of snapping up into their architecture they bought several tools a couple years back including some ad metric tools and some ad insertion tools for podcasters but this article from a 9 to 5 mac talks about that while that's an interesting play on Spotify's part power users just don't use Spotify for their podcasting app and the reason why uh and, and it mentions this in the article but i'll tell you my reason for doing that is that the tool is just not that nuanced and powerful enough for what i would consider to be a power podcast listener right i have over 200 subscriptions that i i, I look at on my podcast app i'm a I'm um, a, a pocket uh, cast guy. I have been for a number of years now. And if I wasn't on pocket cast, I would use downcast on iOS, which is also a wonderful podcasting app. But the auto download features and the archiving features and the playlist features and the up next features that, uh, kind of sort of exist on on Spotify. It's just not an advanced experience in in my humble opinion. And I think that's an important uh, lesson for Spotify that, you know, the content is part of it. And I guess if, if there was a person that was only on Spotify, they haven't done that with like the Gimlet podcast yet, for example, and, and I really hope that they don't, I probably would open up Spotify, which is my music provider. I do have a premium subscription to Spotify. That's the service I pay for for music. That might be tempting to me, but to, to go in there to listen to that. But the bottom line is, is that I'm not going to give up my app. So um, uh, Wes, I believe you're also a Pocket Cast guy. Definitely. Yeah. And
1: that article points out, I mean, it's it's about RSS feed subscription, right? Yep. Subscribing to the feed. You can't do that within Spotify, but I will say, so, yeah, from a power user standpoint, no way I'm, I'm uh, I, I've avoided. I sometimes will have Google, you know, uh, play a podcast for me and I like how I can pick it up on another speaker at a different time. And it remembers that's convenient. But um, yeah, from, from the standpoint of someone having tons of subscriptions and not being able to just import them, No way. Now, I'll say Google Podcast does have the import feature. And when I played with that, I did import all of my feeds over there. But, uh, you know, maybe a bit surprising that Spotify doesn't have it. In Spotify's favor, I'll say that I helped my wife, Shelly, get set up with, you know, we have a Spotify family subscription. And with her own login and in her classroom, you know, she has it. And she's loving listening to uh, podcasts on Spotify and has discovered new things and, you know, it's a lot of science and she's teaching third grade. And if you'd like to have a new earworm, tell your smart speaker to play, um, what is it called? Backstroke Raptor. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just goofy. But anyway, that's discovery. And so being able to have the intelligence of AI and the algorithms working on what you listen to what you look like what you look like what you um, listen to and what other people are doing and listening to that are similar to you that whole thing the recommendation engine like youtube has and, and other things it's really powerful and so i will say that you know she is benefiting from it but would certainly not be a power user in terms of podcasts and subscriptions so you know point well taken i think that's right for those of us that are heavily invested in podcasts Spotify is not the platform to jump into Google podcasts, maybe uh, because you can get that benefit of, of Google's AI working for you as far as sharing, you know, recommendations for you, but I'm
0: st- sticking with pocket casts and I'm very happy with it. Oh, me too. All right. Wes, it's eight fifty nine in the mountain time zone. Shall we geek of the week? it?
1: Let's do, actually, let's do Peggy George's first. Peggy shares that she got a great new tool from Steve Dotto. It's called Track My Subs. Helps you manage all of your digital subscriptions It can be so hard to keep track of. So I had not heard of that, and thanks for pointing that out. And she also shares a link to his demo, and you can't really click that link when we flash that message up there on the screen, uh, but I'll put both of those links into our show notes as Geeks of the Week. And she says awesome, there's a Peggy. free ver- free version, but... It's also affordable and she plans to pay for the subscription. So again, just sure. like with schools, what are you going to pay for? It's a good thing to add those things up. And if you hadn't done, like you've just done a personal audit, that's a good idea, Jason. If you haven't personally audited all your micro subscriptions, that's a good thing to do and decide, mm, is it something I really, do I need to keep all these? Or maybe you need to ditch them and then get a subscription to get a new iPhone every year. <laughs> all right. Do you want, uh, you want me to go with mine next or you want to share yours? Oh
0: uh, yeah, I can do mine quickly. Um, We may have even mentioned this before in the past, but I did it over the weekend. It was pretty interesting. Um, I went and downloaded all of my Twitter data, and you can do this. uh, I have a link in the the show notes with instructions uh, to how to do so, and the other day, a 160-megabyte zip file... Um, uh, showed up, uh, a link to it in my email showed up and I was able to go grab all my Twitter stuff. And not only does it make it fairly easy to go back in time, including my very first tweets in, uh, 2009 is when I started tweeting. Uh, interestingly enough, um, I didn't have anyone respond to me on Twitter for like a year and a half. Um, I was what I like to call then a a Twitter D-lister, right, because the I didn't have any followers and I wasn't really engaging anyways. But the thing that was also interesting about it is that every picture I've posted on Twitter was also part of that archive. It is a little mind blowing that, and I'm a, I'm not a heavy Twitter Twitter user, but I'm a decently engaged Twitter user. That they're storing 160 megs of my 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 data on there, but I was able to pick out probably 20 or 30 photos that I actually put into Google Photos to save, um, because they were ones I didn't have otherwise. And so it was pretty interesting to go back and see my old tweets, but more importantly to grab all that media that I'd posted over time.
1: Outstanding. Um, I will just comment on that, that I've, I ran for a while, this program called Tweetnest that I ran on my own server. It was a PHP app that would archive my tweets and then Twitter changed its API and it stopped working and it's broken. So I've downloaded mine as well. And it's kind of crazy how big it is. It's kind of like, what do I do with this? Cause um, anyway, I think it's good to download and, and with Facebook. Anyway, there's limited options as far as your data portability. That's one of the things I think we need some regulation about. So um, there is – I've got two quick gigs of the week. Uh, PBS is offering uh, and continuing – this is not a new thing – a media literacy educator certification program. So you can earn eight micro-credentials. It's free. Um, I actually saw this because Montana and, uh, and Idaho actually partnered together with a cohort and I think I'll be joining even though I'm out of state and we'll be earning their credit, which is fine. Uh, it's cool. Uh, and, and so j- check that out. You can sign up no matter where you are. Uh, but if there's a cohort in your area or maybe not even in your area, you might be able to sign up and do that as well. Uh, and then my other one is actually a resource that I've created this week. We have a new class for our juniors. They're all taking a, It's called American Design Course, and it is a combined American U.S. history and American literature course. And their first unit is big tech. And so I put together a presentation, which I recorded about 30 minutes. Why Care About Privacy? And surveillance capitalism. And so the slides are up there and all the links and then a bunch of other topics that were not in that presentation. Uh, Twitter lists, recommended videos. Yesterday, I had a chance to I don't teach a high school class that often uh, teach two classes, which were basically Q&A's because we flipped it. And the kids at wa- most of them had watched the video in advance. And then we, we discussed it. And it was pretty invigorating and just this, this EdTech Situation Room is ma- the, one of the main places where I have pondered these kinds of ideas about privacy and surveillance capitalism and the tech correction and a lot of that. So if you want to see a, you know, very impressive picture of Jason Neifer standing in the dark <laughs> hallway of some Montana high school, I think, uh, or maybe that's at the college, I, I grabbed that off of the web illegally, I would ask, or ask. Um, <laughs> And put that on there, giving him credit for coining the term, the tech correction. So anyway, that's just a kind of summation of a lot of my thinking right now about surveillance capitalism, section 230, uh, and, and you know, three stories of really face- Facebook, primarily egregious, just actions, immoral actions that have have led to, you know, tremendous harms and, you know, scream out for us to do something to regulate this uh, behemoth that is apparently beyond anybody's control. Yeah.
0: And I listened to about half of it today on my lunchtime walk, I'll listen to the other half tomorrow. This this will be classroom ready for your classroom too. So, yeah, use it, use it if you can. All right. Well, I'm
1: W Fryer on Twitter and I'm westfryer.com. Um Hey, and I'm looking for assistant professor positions uh, (laughs) for the uh, 22-23 school year. So I've actually uh, put that out on Facebook and just have uh, one application out there. But if you know of an educational technology uh, position or I have have a curriculum instruction doctorate. So uh, if, if there's a literacy position or a social studies position, but especially a literacy position that is not just about traditional literacy, but media literacy, then hey, I could be your guy. So let me know about that. And I've got a few different friends sending some job applications and it's going to be an exciting, hopefully fall. And we'd love to, you know, know sooner rather than later uh, where we'll be bound outside the wonderful state of Oklahoma next summer.
0: Awesome. And I'm Jason Knight at Tech Savvy Teach. Um, I'm not looking for a job right now, but uh, I'm always open to conversations about things like uh, conference sectionals or keynotes or other type of things, as I know Dr. Fryer is as well. But this here is not just us trying to get work. It is the EdTech Situation Room. We're a once week podcast on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Central Time, sometime in the middle of the night, UTC. If you can't join us live, and we wish you would, please download our podcast anywhere Finder podcasts are aggregated, or you can go to Facebook, you can go to Twitter, uh, actually you can go to Twitter, it's not there, but it's linked on Twitter, or you can go um to YouTube where our the archive is always there, or go to our website, edtechsr.com, download tiny mp3s, or get show notes. Uh we wish you a safe and savvy week. We hope to see you next week on the EdTech situation room. Good night, and we'll see you next time.
1: And so ends
0: tonight's 1AR.
1: <laughs> <laughs>